reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us a reason to be here. And Father, I pray that you might continue to speak to our hearts in this hour we've set aside. We, we want you to get the glory. Uh, Father, we want to know you. And uh, I, I just pray, oh God, that you would uh, just speak. Say more than I ever could. And Father, may your spirit just uh, do, do a work among us, Lord, for you. Father, we are hungry, we are thirsty, we are needy, and you are able. So we come to you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I don't know, did you hear about the mama chicken who said she was so proud that she had so many children in the ministry? You know, you, you get my point? The, the preacher who's eating the chicken. And, of course, we in the Baptist church are masters of eating meals together, good food and all of that. But we know that our purpose when we meet is not really to see how much chicken we can put inside, but it is Christ who lives inside of us and who wants to impact those that are around us for his glory. The scripture talks about Christ as the mystery of God. A mystery is something that has not been revealed. And we are in a world that does not understand Jesus Christ. They look at him and they say, well, he, he was a good teacher. He was a moral man. Uh, he loved people. But he was more. He was far more. And that is what we are going to look at today. This message is entitled, The Ministry of Reconciliation. So let me take a moment just to kind of define that first part, ministry. Sometimes when we think about ministry, we have these ideas of ministry is being called to preach. And yes, that is one form of ministry, but that is not all that ministry is. As a matter of fact, when Jesus Christ enters our lives and makes us new, he calls every one of us to ministry. You see, ministry simply means serving God by serving people in Jesus' name. That's ministry, and Jesus is the one who portrayed that. In Mark 10, 45, it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Cindy and I were watching a TV show uh, early in the this past week, and the characters uh, were talking, and one guy made this statement from Winston Churchill, and it caught my attention. 
He said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And, and see, we, we are called to give. You know, Jesus, it, it says Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is ministry. Ministry is serving others. Ministry is giving ourselves away for the cause of Christ. Now, second question is, who is in the ministry? Now, like I said, we often get the idea that those in the ministry are those who have been specifically ordained and set apart by the church who have come forward that said they're going to be in full-time vocational work for the kingdom of God. But the truth of the matter is, we are all in full-time work for Jesus Christ because He died for us that we might live for Him. So this is not addressed to just a bunch of preachers who have gathered to go out on assignments. This is written to the church at Corinth, and it's written to all believers, to everyone who has personally met Jesus Christ and been changed by His love. Now, where does the source of that ministry come from? Well, let's look in our text here. In verse 18, it says, All this is from God. You treat true ministry, it's not rooted in human ingenuity or how smart somebody is or how gifted they are, how charismatic they are, how, how great they can lead. It says that all this is from God. He is the source of this ministry. Now think of the Apostle Paul, and here's a guy, he had quite the resume. He had studied under the greatest of the teachers of that day, and, and he, he, you know, he had this long list that would be impressive in trying to get a, uh, land a high spiritual job. But here's what he said in Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul understood that any strength, any ability he had to serve God actually began as a gift from God. And, and you know, I have found that, that in our walk with Jesus Christ, the more we long to know Him, the more we see what we are desperate in need of Him and of His forgiveness. So, before we can minister, guys, we have to be ministered to. Before we can minister, we have to be ministered to. I, I love it. You know, Paul started out and he was fighting against the church. He was trying to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, putting people in prison. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. Uh, he was a man who was on a mission, but his mission changed when he encountered Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road and was brought to his knees, blinded for a time, and then set free to follow a different mission. And I believe he dealt his whole life with his past. And I believe that many times Paul would come to a point and he would remember how greatly he had sinned and how he had hurt God's people and how he must have broken God's heart. But then he would see Jesus and the work of Christ. And guys, I believe that is what inspired him. I, I love, uh, this is 1 Timothy 1.15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So what happened? Paul 
clearly saw Jesus Christ died, not merely for the world, but for Him. And see, this is what it means to know Christ. To come to an understanding and to see that Jesus Christ died for me, not just for others who need Him. I need Him. I need Christ. And Paul said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And to be new, uh, the scripture says, we become saints. Now, saints doesn't mean we're some super holy Christian uh, celebrity that you know other people will, wow, look at him or look at her. What it means is simply this. To be a saint is to be set apart for Jesus Christ and to serve him, to minister to others so in order for us to minister to others first Jesus Christ has to minister to us so what does that mean well let's go on in our text here all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. So how did he minister to us? He reconciled us to himself. Uh, what does that mean? To reconcile means you take enemies and you make them friends. You see, the Bible says we were once alienated from God. We were separated from God. We were at odds with God. There was bad blood. But through the work of Jesus Christ, that changed. When we encounter Jesus Christ, and when he enters our lives and he provides forgiveness, he covers us with himself. And suddenly, we are not known by the nature of sin that was passed down to us, but known by a new nature that was given to us at the time of salvation, at the time of encountering Jesus Christ. You see, he reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting our sins against us. Man, what better news is there than that? How often do we feel beat up? How often do we feel hopeless because our sins come back to our minds and we realize how tempted we really are and how undeserving we really are and then we remember, he reconciled me, once an enemy, and now a friend to him, to God. And he doesn't count my sin against me. Chuck Swindoll tells a story of a first-year seminary student who was trying to find a job in ministry in a church, but he couldn't. The only job he could find was driving a bus on the south side of Chicago, where the seminary was uh, near where the seminary was located. So uh, he started driving the bus. And this gang, a rough bunch of young uh, gang members, jumped on the bus. And they began doing this and not paying for several days. So this bus driver decided he was going to uh, stop the bus when he saw this policeman. He got the policeman to get on the bus, told him these guys wouldn't pay. So the policeman made them pay. And then uh, he got the bus driver, stopped the bus, and got off the bus. Well, he went around the corner, and uh, this gang made him stop the bus, and they robbed him and beat him, severely beat him. 
Well, uh, this young man, this young seminarian, he pressed charges against these gang members. And they all ended up in court. And then when it came time for him to speak, he surprised everybody. He felt compassion on these guys that beat him up badly. And he said, they're guilty, but I would like to pay for their crimes. I would like to serve their sentence for them. Well, nobody knew how to answer that. The judge didn't know how to answer it. The gang members didn't know how to answer it. And finally, the, ju the judge said, no, that's not possible. Yeah, you can't do that. The guys ended up going to jail, and this young seminary student ended up being able to go and to share the gospel of Christ with them with new power. Why? Because they saw him as one who did not count their sins against him. But he was willing. He was willing to pay for those sins, even though he was the one who suffered being beaten by them. Jesus Christ not only offered to pay for our sins, he paid for our sins on the cross. For all our sins. He does not count those sins against us, but he has chosen instead to make us right with the living God. I love Ephesians 2.16. It declares Jesus Christ brought peace by having reconciled both Gentiles and Jews through the cross. So the question is, before we can be ministers, have you been ministered to by Jesus Christ? Has he ministered to you in the gospel? Do you get the cross? Do you get the depth of the fact that God does not desire to hold your sins against you, but He willingly paid for them through the death of His Son on an old rugged cross so that we might be set free? That's, that's the message of the gospel. He did that willingly. Now, what is our ministry? Well, going on in the text, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Well, it simply means this. When you meet Jesus and you understand what Jesus has done for you, that he personally came for you and died for you, you can't stay the same. You can't stay the same. And so what does that mean? I've got to tell somebody else. I, I've got to find a way to build a bridge to somebody else because this has so impacted my life. And so that is the ministry of reconciliation, how God has ministered to me through the work of the cross in Jesus Christ. I need to serve somebody else to give glory to God by telling others about his wonderful work. You know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then the next verse says, For... God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, he didn't send Jesus in the world to stand around and say, I know what kind of sins she has. I know what kind of sins he has. I've been watching. No, he didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. Man, what, what better news is that? All right, uh, next. 
So what is our motivation? Well, look at verses 14 and 15, uh, which is above what I read. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, we are compelled. What does that mean? We, we can't sit still. We, we, we can't stay quiet because we understand. We understand Christ. We understand his work. You see, we are all dead in our sins, the scripture proclaims. He says, all died. But because one died, we all don't stay dead. <laughs> we come to life in Christ. The message of reconciliation. We used to be enemies, but now we are friends with God. And he wants to continue to impact people's lives. The message is you don't have to stay dead in your sins. You can become alive in Christ. And he did that. It had nothing to do with you and me. It had to do with the great unconditional love of God. Romans 5 so beautifully talks about this. In, in verse 6, he says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Powerless. This is not about me or you. This is about God and his mercy. When we were powerless, he stepped in. And who's the ungodly? Well, all of us, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Many of us can quote, I know, verse 8 of Romans 5. Such a great verse. God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, what a message. You see, God didn't wait till I cleaned up my act. He didn't wait until I got my ducks in a row. While still in my sin, he died for me. That is the wonderful message of the cross. Taste such love. So, a true disciple is an ambassador of reconciliation. So, what is an ambassador? An ambassador is an authorized representative who speaks on behalf of the one in authority. Who's the one in authority? God. He's the one in authority. He's authorizing you. You have authority. To do what? To speak the ministry and message of reconciliation to others. We are ambassadors. Now, I, I, I want to take just a, f a few minutes here. Jeff Myers, in one of his articles, uh, gives some points for how, how do we engage a world that doesn't understand Christ and, and that is against Christ. How do we engage a world with the message of reconciliation? How, how are we to be ambassadors? I want to just quickly throw through these six points he makes. He says, first, what would Jesus' attitude and approach be in this situation? So when we're trying to be ministers, servants of the message of reconciliation, and we come across some who aren't too happy with us, we need to ask, okay, what would Jesus' attitude be? Not what attitude I want to project. What attitude would he want me to project? Secondly, am I serving Christ's interests or my own? Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Are you looking to the interests of others? Or are you whining because somebody hurt your feelings? Third, do my words tear others down or hurt their reputations? In Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, you know, that's the one that says, don't let the sun go down <laughs> while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. We are in spiritual warfare and we do not want to give the devil a foothold. We do not want to let our anger become bitterness, but we want our anger to be projected projected in the power of God. Colossians 3.8 tells us, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. All those actions that portray anger, they're not to mark us as we are ministers of reconciliation. Number four, are my words stirring up anger or turning it away? Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. When people come at us with a harsh word, are we gentle? Do we respond with a gentle word? James 1.19 and 20 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, for God's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God so desires. We need to be quick to listen. We're so, we want to speak so quickly and many times we don't even listen we got figured out what we're going to say before we even heard what was said be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry all right number five does my manner of speaking cause others to feel bitter are we making people bitter it says in hebrews 12 verse 15 see to it that no one misses the grace of god and no bitter root root grows up to cause trouble and defile many What do we need to do every day? Do not miss the grace of God. How easy it is to miss the grace of God. We need to have eyes wide open and we need to constantly be looking. Where is the grace of God? Where is the grace of God? See to it that no one misses the grace of God. Do you know what happens when we miss the grace of God? We give an opportunity for a bitter root to take root, to grow up, to cause trouble, and to defile other people. We need to be sure and not miss the grace of God. All right, one more. Do I wish for good to come to those who oppress me? This is Jesus stuff, man. That is not my natural reaction. You hurt me, I want to... But Jesus says, get on your knees, man. Pray about this. You need to get a heart change for these things. Um, Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. <laughs> That's the call. So this is all in part of being an ambassador. One less one, one less point here. What is the message of reconciliation? Look at our last verse, verse 21. What an awesome verse. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, no sin. We know that. Hey, we learned that in Sunday school. This is not new. Jesus is the sinless one. How much have you thought about that last? The ne- I mean, the next part. To be sin for us. The sinless one became sin for you. 
That's the message, guys. Notice as the verse goes on, he says, um, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness of God. That's who you are. In him. I got to thinking about this thing in him, and I got a little excited. I got to think about different verses that, that talk about in him, being in him. And I'll just share a few with you. I, I thought about in Ephesians 1, 7, it says, In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the fullness of God's grace, which has been lavished on us with wisdom and understanding. Yeah, through verse 8 in there too. But in him we have forgiveness. Here's another one. Uh, Ephesians three twelve. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I love that. It's in Him. And who do we put our faith in? Him. In Him. It's Him. In Him and through faith in Him. How can we approach God? Freely. Confidently. Uh, here's another one. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy as you trust Him. Him. So what happens? We trust in Him. And, and what happens when we trust in Him? We are able to be filled with joy and peace. Why? Because He's the God of hope. We always have hope in Christ. We are never without hope. And that hope allows us to experience the joy and peace when, when we trust in Him. Let's get busy trusting in Him, right? All right. Uh, Philippians 3, 8 and 9. Here's what he says. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Savior, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may be found in Him. In Him. A salvation by faith. Salvation not of my own. It doesn't come by the law. It's in Him. Hey, listen, all this message, everything, everything, every hope we have, it is in Him. It is in Christ. And in Christ alone. I, I want to, uh, one, a couple more here, and I'll get through this part. Colossians 1.16, for in Him all things were created. Oh, man, all these scientists talk about all this great stuff they're looking for and all they found, and, and so many of them want to leave God out of it. How can you leave God out of it? In Him they were made. They reformed everything. And then one last one, Colossians 1.19, he says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. You look at Christ, the fullness of God lives there, dwells there in bodily form, the scripture tells us. Our faith, our hope, our message, our chance for reconciliation from an enemy to a friend is in him, in Christ. Christ our Lord couple of quotes here and I'm and I'm done okay uh, this is uh, Donald Gray Barnhouse this is what he wrote about Barabbas remember Barabbas the guy that was chosen to be set free instead of Jesus he says uh, he was the only man in the world who could say Jesus Christ took his physical place but I can say that Jesus Christ took my spiritual place for it was I who deserved to die. It was I who deserved the wrath of God that should be poured on me. I deserved the eternal punishment of the lake of fire. He was delivered up from my offenses. He was handed over to judgment because of my sins. 
Christ was my substitute. He was satisfying the debt of divine justice and holiness. That is why I say that Christianity can be expressed in three phases. This is good, isn't it? Three phases. You ready? I deserved hell. Jesus took my hell. And there is nothing left for me but heaven. Now, man, that's good news. Isn't it? Martin Luther, he really struggled with guilt and knowing that he was not who he should be. A man came to him one day after uh, Luther had discovered, you know, the, the righteous will live by faith. That great verse, Romans 117, it kind of changed from the church having this idea of, well, you just follow, you just pay and we can get you into heaven. And he said, no, it's by faith. And, and so anyway, he wrote Luther and he said, I just struggle with my shortcomings. And he, I love Luther's answer. I want to share this with you. He says, learn to know Christ and him crucified. Learn to sing to him and say, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness. You took on you what was mine. You set on me what was yours. You became what you were not, that I might become what I was not. Guys, that is the ministry of reconciliation. And we have to get it before we can give it. You see? Um, one more, Irenaeus, the early church father, said, Christ became what we are in order that we might become what he is. So, okay, guys, um, I'm at the end here. here. My last point, you say, sure, preacher. Last point, where is our mission field? It's wherever we go. It's wherever we are. In all honesty, there's no place where we're not on the mission field. And we all have a mission. We were not sent directly to heaven because the simple fact is people need to be made right with God. There needs to be a reconciliation. Enemies need to be made friends. And that comes only by the work of Calvary and the cross. And it's the work of God. All this is from God. It's, it's not through how dynamic we are, but through Him. And we're going to have a special invitation time as we close this service um, today. You guys see the cross here. And uh, we have in two baskets up here some yellow index cards. And I encourage you, God brings to your mind someone you have a burden for. Someone who does not know Christ, who has not met Jesus Christ and experienced the transforming power of becoming new um, to write their name I've written somebody's name on here and to tape it to the cross and in a moment after I pray I'm going to tape your name to the cross and I encourage you come write a name tape it to the cross and then to commit to pray for that person to, to commit to say, God, what do you want me to do? How do, you, how do you want me to be that minister of reconciliation to talk to that person? And to let God move among us, guys, and then through us.
but first we have to be sure he has ministered to us you see so uh, let's pray and then i encourage you to come as he leads and to come to the cross let's pray god uh, if you had not reached out to me i would still be without hope I love that Romans 8, 1 that says there's no condemnation now for those who are in Christ Jesus. I was condemned. Uh, it tells us in John three thirty six we stand condemned already if we don't believe in Jesus. But you set me free, Lord. And uh, Father, I set this one free that I went to on the cross, Lord. And I pray for all of us as we come, as we seek, Father to bring to the cross, Lord, people that need you, Lord. May we pray for them. May we commit, Father, to this work, this serving you by serving others in Jesus' name with the message that changes it all, the gospel. So, Lord, move among us and work among us for your glory. God's in on the video with the song that will be playing too, you'll get to see some of our mission fields.
Father, we will leave them home. Father.